Um, how many of you had one of these today? Like, like legitimately? How many of you are like, nope, I needed my umbrella today, so you got your umbrella? Some of you, maybe I'm the only one. All right, a couple of you. Uh, be honest, how many of you ha- that had an umbrella, how many of your umbrellas were in the trunk of your car? Yeah, there's my people. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot in common. Because it's like, do you have an umbrella? Sure do, in the back of my car, right? An umbrella tells a lot about a person. It tells a lot about the preparation that person does. It tells you a lot if that person values being prepared or not. Because there's a couple type of people in regards to umbrella, uh, umbrellas. You have the one person that I am one of those where, sure, I keep an umbrella with me in the trunk of my car. And so that way, when it rains, I'm soaking wet by the time I find my umbrella. So that's me. I like the thought. I like the idea of being prepared. But truth be told, I'm usually not that prepared. Some of you are just like, it's just rain. I'm not going to melt. I don't need no stinking umbrella. That's some of you where you're just like, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. I've made it this long without an umbrella. I'm not going to start using an umbrella now. So you think you are just fine without being prepared. You can push through anything that the storm and the weather throws at you. But then there's a few of you, and man, this few of you, um, I commend. You are the prepared Like, you don't just have an umbrella somewhere in the house that you need to go find when it's time to actually get the umbrella. That's also some of you. You lose it, you find it, you lose it, you find it. But some of you are the prepared ones that have an umbrella, and it stays in the front of your car all the time, 100% of the time. I'm seeing heads turn. Like, you know who those people are. They're always prepared. They don't know if it's going to rain or not. doesn't matter if they know. Because they are ready for when it decides to rain. You are prepared. You are ready. You don't know when, but you know at some point it will. And because of that, you are always prepared for whatever storms and rain may come. You are prepared. Now, I want us to flip that and think through how are you prepared in regards to your faith and the storms of life. Let me say that again. In regards to your spiritual life, in regards to your faith... How prepared are you for when the storms roll in? Are you somebody that just thinks, nah, I can just figure it out, I'll make it through? Are you somebody that has that faith that's, well, like, hang on, what what was that verse that I grew up hearing as a kid and there's stories? Like, you have a faith, but it's kind of been lost at times. It's misplaced. And so, oh, I need to go and find it for when the storm comes. What was I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? You kind of have it, but you're not sure where it's at. There's some of you that like the idea of being prepared, but when it comes down to it, you feel just as lost as everybody else. What does it look like to be fully prepared all the time in regards to our faith and when those storms of life hit? Jesus speaks to this in John chapter 16, verse 33. I'll put the verses up on the screen for you on this one. John 16, 33, Jesus' words, he tells his disciples and those following him, he said, I've told you all of this so you may have peace in me. I've, here on earth, look, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have them. You will experience the storms. You will experience the rains. You will experience the difficulties of life. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but look, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's what a prepared faith looks like. That's what it looks like to say, no matter the rain, no matter the storms, no matter the difficulties, no matter the trials, no matter the sorrows, I'm prepared because of my faith in Jesus. And the faith that I have in Jesus is full confidence. Because the things that overwhelm me, the things that overwhelm you, Jesus says here, I've already overcome it all. 
That's why we can have confidence in Jesus in the midst of the difficulties. That's why we can put our faith in him even in the midst of the storms. So that's the answer. So if you need to tune out, that's, that's as good as it's going to get for the, for the rest of our time together. There's your answer. But the disciples, the story we're going to look at today, the disciples, we see a great example of what it looks like to not be prepared. They were not prepared for the storms that were going to be thrown at them. And we see Jesus in such grace and such compassion and such love lead them to a place where I think not just for the disciples, but you and I can learn, here's what it looks like to have a faith like this, where we take heart no matter what, because we recognize that our faith is in Jesus and we have confidence that he has, as he said, he's overcome the world. So the story we're looking at is going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, be there. I'd love for you to see it in, in writing here. You get to see a little bit more of the context and where we're going. But in Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus and the disciples, and you're going to see the disciples not prepared physically, but also in regards to their faith for what was going to come their way. So here's how the, the story begins. Uh, just know the context prior to this moment. The disciples have been following Jesus around. He's been doing miracles. He's been doing healings. He's been teaching with power and authority. So the disciples have seen Jesus do a lot of different things that are truly miraculous and supernatural. And here's where we pick it up. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. The reason being, they were exhausted. Again, there's a huge crowd that keeps following Jesus around, and they just need to get away. They need a little bit of a break. They need to find some rest just for a little bit. So, Jesus took, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. But look, although other boats followed, it's still hard to leave the crowds. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, just in this first part, you might look at that part of the story and say, the main problem is the storm. The storm is causing the waves. The storm is bringing the wind. The storm is causing water to get in the boat. And we look at the storm oftentimes, and we miss the bigger problem. So often our eyes get so fixated on the storm, the difficulties that we face, and we miss the most urgent and pressing matter. The biggest problem the disciples were facing here is not the storm. It's the fact that their boat is being filled up with water. Now, yes, the storm caused that, but it's not the storm that's the real issue. The issue is their boat is going to sink. There's a word that describes what the disciples are feeling in this moment. It's not just worry. It's not just fear. It's overwhelmed overwhelmed. Overwhelmed definition would be anything you cannot handle on your own. I am overwhelmed. We could say the boat literally was overwhelmed by the waves. The waves were too much for the boat to handle. The water was pouring in over the boat. So the boat was beginning to sink because it was overwhelmed. And the same could be said about the disciples. They were overwhelmed. Many of these disciples, if you pay attention to who Jesus called, many of them were fishermen. So they were, they were not um, scared of storms, so to speak. They had seen their fair share of storms and bad weather. But being the best fishermen in the world that knew all things about boats and all things about sailing would not do any good when the boat begins to sink. All their wisdom, all their knowledge, all their expertise really means nothing in the midst of being overwhelmed. It was beyond what they could handle. 
That's the real problem. I think that's the bigger problem what we face. We go through difficulties. We go through storms of life. We go through seasons of up and down. But when we are overwhelmed and it feels like we're about to drown and we feel like we're about to sink, we feel helpless. And if we're not careful, that will lead to feelings of being hopeless, where there's nothing else I can do. There's no way out of this. The feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, and being overwhelmed. Quick side note here. I don't want us to miss this. Did you notice who led them into the storm? Whose idea was it to get in the boat and cross the lake? Do you remember? Whose was it? Jesus's idea. Can we agree that Jesus is fully God and fully man? Can we agree on that? Yes, 100% both. From that statement, can we agree that Jesus would have known what was about to take place? Was he aware the storm would come? I would say yes. If you're fully God, you know things that only God knows. So that leaves us with an interesting question. Why did Jesus allow his disciples and himself to get into a boat and sail right into a terrible storm that threatened their lives? It's a hard one, isn't it? I don't have a great answer for you. I'm just posing the question. And so often we get stuck with that question. Well, Jesus, why would you allow this to happen? And why would you lead this here? And why, in my opinion, in my personal life, and if I've had the, the privilege of walking along, alongside other people that have gone through horrible things in their life, asking the question why doesn't really help because it never gives us an answer that satisfies. So could I suggest asking two different questions? What questions and how questions? Instead of, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Could we ask God, what are you trying to teach me? That's helpful. Instead of, God, why aren't you intervening the way that I want you to intervene? God, how are you going to use this situation to deepen and strengthen my faith? God, how do you want to use me to help other people that are going through this? God, what are you trying to show me? God, what do you want to change in me? All of a sudden, the what and the how questions begin to change our focus very differently than how the why questions do. Now, let me say this. Not every storm that you sail through in life is because Jesus led you there. Not the case at all. Sometimes it's just our bad decisions, and there are consequences to our decisions. Sometimes it's the sin and the consequence of other people that now are affecting us. Other people's sin has a drastic impact on the people around us. We live in a broken, sinful, fallen world. So yes, life is going to happen, which means sin is real and is devastating. But yes, sometimes, sometimes Jesus says, I'm going to lead you into a storm, and I'm going to lead you into the sense of being overwhelmed. Have you ever heard the phrase that God won't give you more than you can handle? Have you heard that? Complete garbage. That's not true at all. <laughs> Please don't believe that. <laughs> because if that's true, then this wouldn't have happened. We do get overwhelmed, but God won't give you more than he can handle. Let's be honest for a second. If God didn't give you more than you could handle, why would you need God? It's the moment you're overwhelmed that you say, I can't do this. God, I do need you. Then he's right there to help you. So yes, we're sometimes overwhelmed and yes, sometimes he leads us there. But as we're going to see, Jesus is right there. Verse 38, here's the scene as it unfolds. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. What a great picture. Wind, waves, sinking boat, Jesus asleep. The disciples woke him up shouting as any of us would. They woke up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Man, we got to talk about this question because we ask this in our own way all the time. First thing to note, 
What did they call Jesus when they woke him up shouting? They called him teacher. Pay attention to that. We're going to come back to it and talk about it at the very end. It's super important. They call him teacher, and then they ask the age-old question, don't you even care? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see that I'm about to sink? Don't you see that my life is in jeopardy? And why aren't you doing anything? The disciples could have asked this question in two ways. They could have asked it in the way of, Jesus, why aren't you like awake? Why, why could, how could you possibly sleep through this? We're freaking out. Why aren't you freaking out? The other way they could have asked this question is, Jesus, you're not helping we're trying to save ourselves. It's not looking very good. So why aren't you doing something? Either way, however they ask the question, it comes down to what we ask him often. Don't you even care? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see where you've led us? Don't you even care? Why don't you do something? Because it doesn't seem like you care at all. Let me give you three truths just based on what we've read so far. Let me walk you through them real quick. First one is that Jesus doesn't react to fear and worry like we do. Like we do, just like the disciples, we would be freaking out. We would be worried. We would be full of fear. We would be shouting at everybody on that boat trying to save ourselves. And Jesus is asleep with his head on a cushion in the back of the boat. It's obvious that Jesus responds and reacts to fear and worry very differently than we do. Maybe he knows something we don't. Second truth here is Jesus doesn't react to our fear and worry the way we would like him to, the way we want him to. What I mean by that is when we're all worried, we want Jesus to be worried. When we're freaking out, we want Jesus to freak out with us. And when he doesn't, we think that he just doesn't care, which is the third truth here. It's the opposite of that, that just because Jesus isn't worried doesn't mean he doesn't care. Just because he's not freaking out like you and me doesn't mean he's not present, doesn't mean that he doesn't love us, doesn't mean that he doesn't care, doesn't mean he's not involved. When I did student ministry, I did student ministry before moving here to Georgia, and uh, Becky and I, so often we'd get a teenager that walks up to us, I mean, just in tears, usually a girl, and so she comes to me and Becky, he's like, can we, can, can we go somewhere and, and talk? And I'm like, yes, absolutely, sure, Becky! <laughs> so then we'll go and talk and like, you know, hey, what's going on? And through the sobs, it gets to this one word, we broke up! Now, if you're a teenager, I mean no disrespect, but we all know it happens, right? And in that moment, I... I yeah, I can say this, and I'm, I'm telling the truth. I'm an empathetic person, and I'm a compassionate person for the most part. But in those moments, I'm not. Because I'm looking at this, this girl who would say, like, her life is over, and, and Becky's doing the sweet thing. Oh, it'll be okay. Like, he brought, you know. And I'm over here like, what's the problem? What are we talking about? But he brought, it's like, your life's not over. It's going to be fine. You ready? There's some pizza out in the lobby. You want to go get something to eat? Let's go. <laughs> and it would sound like I don't care, but I know something that she didn't know. Becky knows something that she didn't know in that moment, that it's going to be okay. So just because I wasn't a wreck when she was, just because Becky was able to keep it all together when she couldn't, doesn't mean we don't care. It means, some, it means that we know something that they don't know. The same could be said true for Jesus here. He knows something the disciples don't know. So just because he's not worried doesn't mean he does not care. He responds to fear and worry very differently 
than we do and sometimes we would want. So here's what Jesus does, because he does act. He does respond just differently than we might expect. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, the Greek word there, I love it, it's hush. It's shh, hush, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great, I want you to say this word with me, there was a great calm. Now, we know that Jesus said this phrase, these two words, silence or hush, be still. We know he said that specifically to the wind and the waves. It tells us that. But I believe, I wonder if Jesus didn't just say it to the wind and the waves because he could have said that just mentally. He could have commanded the wind and the waves without saying a word. I think he said it out loud so the disciples would hear the same thing. Because couldn't, couldn't that be said to us in our frantic, worried, anxious, overwhelming moments for Jesus to look at us and say, shh, be still. Hush, shh, 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 shh. Be still. And if you know the Psalms, finish my sentence, be still and know that I am God. In that moment, I think Jesus was speaking not just to the wind and the waves, but to the disciples. Shh, be still and know who I am. Be still and be confident in me. Be still and recognize who you are in the presence of. Be still. Let me ask you a couple yes and no questions based on the story so far. Was Jesus with the disciples? Yes or no? Yes. Was Jesus in the same boat with the disciples? Was Jesus in the same storm as the disciples? Was Jesus worried? Was Jesus in control? Yes. When we are in the middle of those storms and we feel overwhelmed, go through that list. Is Jesus with me? Yes. Is Jesus in the same storm as me? Yes. Is Jesus in control? Is Jesus worried? No. Shh, be still and know that I am God. From that, Jesus asked a question. This whole series, that's why we're looking at this story. We've been looking at the different questions that Jesus asked people in the Gospels and then asking ourselves those same questions. So here's the question. I love that he asked the question after the wind and the waves died down. Like, good luck having a teachable moment when everybody's freaking out. Verse 40, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Similar questions, they're related, but there are some differences. So we're going to look at those two questions separately. First thing before we jump into the questions, you need to have a good understanding of what faith is. When we talk about faith, it's not just, I believe in God, right? That is an element of faith. That is part of faith. But true faith is what we read out of John 16, 33, where Jesus said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. True faith is, I believe that. I believe that Jesus has overcome the world. I believe he's king of kings and lord of lords. I believe he is ruler over all things. I believe he is sovereign. I believe he is in control. So that faith has full confidence. That faith, I'm fully persuaded. Now, do I understand all the mysteries of the gospel and of Jesus? No. Can I articulate it perfectly? No. But I am fully persuaded. I'm fully confident. I'm fully convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. That's faith. 
It's more than just a belief. That's part of it. It's also confidence. So the reason that's important is when Jesus asks these two questions, he's almost speaking to their confidence. Why are you afraid? Fear is nothing but something that takes away your confidence. So if you were to say, I have faith in Jesus and I am fully confident in him, and then there's fear, uh, I'm not so confident anymore. I don't know if I really believe that. I, I, I thought that, but now that I'm in the middle of the storm, I'm not so sure anymore. My six-year-old, my daughter, Collins, uh, she climbed a rock wall for the very first time yesterday, about four feet up. <laughs> she did great. It was a much taller rock wall, but she made it about four feet. And she was super excited. She's the one that wanted to. The boys were doing it. She's like, I want to do that. And this probably wasn't the best parenting moment, but I was like, are you sure? Because I don't want to waste my money on this. And I'm human. Because I'm like, there's no way she's going to climb this thing. And she's like, no, I can do it. I want to do it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so we're coaching her through it. Like she's getting all the harnesses. And I'm like, now remember, like that harness is going to hold on to you. And there's the guy right here is holding the rope. And that rope is super secure. Like, look, the boys, they're way up there. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to do great. Just keep going. Like that was my coaching to her. So she comes up to the wall and she starts getting the handholds and starts going up and she's doing great. I mean, she's just moving. And then she gets to about that four foot mark and she stops. She does one of these. She looks back at me and Becky, and then she looks down, and that face that was full of confidence doesn't have any confidence anymore. <laughs> and I said, Collins, you're okay. Remember, the rope has got you. You're not going anywhere. Just go up with one more hand. There's a handhold right there. <laughs> and I tried to coach her and like help her with that confidence and convince her, but she wasn't going to budge. I was like, do you want to come down? Okay. So then she comes back. Oh, she was so proud though. She had this big grin, like you did it, four feet high, but you did it. I'm really proud of you. You did something new. You tried something hard. I was super, super proud of her, but I see my faith in her at times. Jesus, I love you with all my heart. I have full confidence in you. I have full faith in you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. And then I get four feet up. Ooh, now I have to actually rely on you. Now I, that confidence that I talked about, I actually have to put into practice. Oh, it's a different story. Faith is full confidence, even when you don't fully understand. So Jesus wants to know, what has limited your confidence? You've stated it before, what's changed? Then the second part of the question, do you still have no faith? Keyword there is still. Again, the disciples had been with Jesus for a while at this point. They had seen him do so many different amazing, miraculous things and to speak with power and authority. And he's like, guys, how are you still not convinced? How are you still not fully persuaded? You've seen all of this, and now that we put it to the test, where's it at? So I'm going to take both of those questions and throw them into one, and it's the question I think he was getting at with the disciples, and it's the question I want us to answer today. Here it is. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Not just do you trust me today in this room. Do you trust me when you're up on the rock wall? Do you trust me when you're in the middle of the storm? Do you trust me when you're being overwhelmed? Do you trust me when it feels like you're about to sink? What if Jesus asked you that question? Do you trust me? Now, before you answer that question, like honestly, we need to look at verse 41. We'll end here. Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. I kind of love that they were scared because of the storm. They were scared because the boat was going down. And now they're more terrified because of what they just saw, what they saw Jesus do. Kind of funny. They're absolutely terrified. And look at what they remark. Who is this man? They asked each other that even the wind and the waves 
obey him. Before you answer the question, do I trust Jesus? You need to first recognize what do I believe about Jesus? Because that's going to impact how you trust him. What you believe about Jesus or who you believe Jesus to be will absolutely determine the amount of confidence that you place in him. Remember what they called Jesus earlier when they woke him up shouting, what they call him? Teacher. No disrespect to the teachers in the room. My wife's a teacher at a preschool. My mom's a retired teacher. My sister's a teacher. Love teachers. But if I'm on a boat in the middle of the storm and my boat is filling up with water and I'm about to be, and I'm starting to sink, no offense, I don't want a bunch of teachers with me, right? I don't feel like they're going to do much good in, in helping that situation. They are helpful in so many other ways, but I don't feel like a teacher is who I would look to to save me from a sinking ship. So no wonder the disciples were still scared in the middle of the storm. They only knew Jesus as teacher. Teacher, you teach us great things, but there's no way you can save us from this storm. Teacher, you teach us great, amazing new things, but there's no way you can save us from drowning. To the point of them asking themselves, who is this man? Who you believe Jesus to be will determine the confidence you have in him. And if he's just teacher, you're not going to place full confidence in him. If he's just a good man that did good things, you're not going to place your full confidence in him. If he's just a good religious idea, you're not going to put your full confidence in him. To the wind and the waves, Jesus was Lord, and they obeyed. To the disciples, he was teacher, and they were afraid. So to you and to me, who do you believe Jesus to be? And do you trust him? No matter the boat, no matter the storm, no matter what's currently overwhelming you, do you trust him as Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords, creator of all, sovereign over all things, ruler over the heavens and the earth, and my Savior and your Savior? Do you trust him? We're going to do something a little bit different um, in how we're going to end today. So I need you to get comfortable. Move around if you need to. What I need you to do is begin to think about either your current storm that you're in. Maybe you resonate very, very much so with the disciples of, of feeling overwhelmed and this is way much more than I can handle. If that's you, then like hold on to that. If you're not currently in a storm, know that you will be one day. And I would encourage you to listen in this moment and focus on what it looks like to be prepared for when it comes. Because we will have storms in life. How will your faith be prepared for when it happens? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some scriptures over you. Uh, these scriptures are very meaningful to me. I call these my umbrella verses. Just like an umbrella, you use it when it rains. These are my verses when it pours. These are my verses when I feel overwhelmed. These are my verses when I say, Jesus, that faith that I put in you is going to be put to the test in this moment. So listen to these. Let them wash over you. Let them go to the depths of your soul. Maybe in the situation you're in today, or let them prepare you for the storm that might be brewing. Psalm 91, 2. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Psalm 144, the first part of verse 2. 
He is my loving ally in my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield, and I take refuge in him. Psalm 62, 5 and 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Psalm 62, verse 8. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for our God is our refuge. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we will achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Shh. Be still and know who he is. And then there was a great calm. In our lives, that doesn't mean the storm goes away. It means we make it through it. Prepare your heart Prepare your faith for the storms of this life that Jesus might actually be the one leading you into to strengthen and deepen and storm-proof your faith. But first, shh, be still. Know who he is and put your trust in him. Um, as we sing this last song, I'd encourage you to just sit for a minute be still for a moment. And just because he's not worried doesn't mean he doesn't care.